Ian Power, along with Steve Seaborn, the little contractor. And this is the Home Discovery Show. The Deck Guy from HGTV, Paul LaFrance, will be joining us in about 20 minutes from now. And hope that you can join us for that because... We will open up the phone line to him if you have any questions about decks, deck preparation, deck cleaning, deck building, deck designing. This guy does it all. Of course, you know his TV shows, Decked Out, Disaster Decks, Deck Wars, and he was one of the judges on Canada's Handyman Challenge, and that's coming up, as I say, in about 20 minutes. Easter long weekend. Do your kids still go out Easter egg hunting? Um, we do it internally. Internally? Sure. Is that the thing now that kids do because their their parents are too afraid for them to go outside because they might get something like a grass stain on their knees or something? <laughs> maybe, but ours are a little older. Or are they worried about that maybe that the boogie rabbit man might come and get them? I, there's a reason I'm saying that, and I don't mean to sound facetious here or, or poo-poo the whole idea, but it seems to me, at least in my community, they've got the community centers all set up for an indoor egg hunt. Uh, do, do kids not go outside anymore at all? I mean, your kids are, are yeah. young enough. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's because some neighborhoods, they're worried about um, things in the grass, maybe uh, uh, dogs or, or needles in some neighborhoods. Yeah, I imagine that would be a problem, but uh, maybe if I would suspect that uh, notwithstanding the Easter Bunny, that probably has some help placing those eggs around the, the lawn or out in the field or wherever. Sure. That's just, I just thought I'd mm. ask because I know you've got your kids. I know they're not, they're not tiny kids or anything, but they they still could be at the age where they, they want to do that. Sure. I mean, I'm fine with that. I wouldn't mind collecting a few uh, chocolate eggs or chocolate bunny. Jill Bennett was talking about uh, the, the chocolate Easter bunny. Mm-hmm. Why is it now that we're eating more chocolate Easter bunnies than we eat chocolate eggs? You, you, I know you don't know the answer. To that. No. You're a contractor. How would you know that? <laughs> I can tell you, though. We, we'll find out. There's an answer oh, to that. Good. We're going to find out actually at about um, about 11.15 this morning. Oh, good. Okay, so we'll get into that a little bit later. It's spring. Mm-hmm. What's going on at your in your neighborhood? Are you uh, hearing that drone that I'm, I'm hearing I'm, every I'm, single day? I was just going to say, we've had our first whack at the green stuff in well, our place. And, yeah, and I was thinking not so much the green stuff. Uh, a lot of people are cutting their grass. But for me, the sign of, of spring in the neighborhood is the drone of the power washers. Yes. And I think a lot of people might even be starting a bit earlier this year because they're fearing that we'll have another uh, major water uh, restriction. So once that kicks into place, you can't exactly take out your, your power washer and use, what is it, a 1,000 gallons a second? Sure. It's, I don't think it's that high, but you, you get what I'm saying. I'm thinking of doing the same thing this year. Right. I, I passed last year because of the water situation, but... We seem to be in pretty good shape right now. The thing with power washing, as you often say, and I'm so I'm speaking on your behalf, which I shouldn't do because you're right in the room, uh, is is you you, you don't want to go too hard at it, right? Well, certainly. I mean, I, and I and I did it yesterday. I took the power washer. I got an electric one, so it's not running all the time, and it's just a very lightweight one. Um, I actually hit a bit of the asphalt, and then realized, oh, well, now I've got a clean spot. Now what am I going to do with it? <laughs> um, I bailed quickly. Is the answer. But, um, yeah, don't go too hard. So know your limits. I mean, as even though as I do this contracting for a living, I don't have a, a 4,000 PSI gas chugging one because it's just not necessary for what I'm using it for. Yeah, but they are fun. They are, <laughs> yeah, they are fun. And you find out how much dirt you can remove and everything else. Well, what's interesting with the power washing is uh, if you look at people who do it themselves, 
And let's just say they start, if they're on, they have a bit of a driveway off their garage and it slopes down a little bit as it's supposed to, and they start at the top of the slope where, where you would hope that they would, and you can see that the, the top of the slope is a lot cleaner than the bottom, mm-hmm. because by the time you get through the first couple of inches, you pretty much, you've had enough. You've it's, had enough, It's about yes. as much yes. fun as you're going to have with a power washer. So spring is here. We know that. We see all of the signs, uh, and we've got a great forecast. You just heard John Meyer talk about sunshine. I think he said highs of 21 in the valley. So people are thinking about uh, spring cleaning, as we just talked about with the power washing. People are definitely getting out of the house. I've noticed a lot more people are walking, yes, uh, especially in the early evening now that we have a little bit more light. And some security tips that you might want to be aware of as this season starts to take hold, uh, if you're whether you're a homeowner or whether you're a renter, a couple of tips that we thought we would share with you today to help to protect your property, to keep it safe and secure, so that as people are starting to break out of their hibernation, they don't have to worry that their place might be vulnerable. And by the way, we're going to keep this phone line free for you if you want to call on anything happening at your place. If this is the long weekend you decided to take on a DIY project or you're, you've got a pro and you've got a question, feel free to join us at 604-280-9898 or star 9898. If you're mobile, you can tweet at us at CKNW or the CKNW Facebook page as well as the Home Discovery Show Facebook page. So if you're tossing out boxes or packaging from items that you've been collecting throughout the year, Uh, Make sure that you properly cut them, stack them, and and put them together so that uh, by the time they go to the curb for recycling, people don't drive by and see that, hey, look, Steve just bought himself a 72-inch TV Mm -hmm. and a PlayStation and a MacBook (laughs) and a bunch of other stuff. So uh, tear those boxes down and uh, make sure that you you get them off to the side of uh, the curb in time for recycling. Don't don't put them out like a week ahead of time. Mm. That's, a, that's a bit of a giveaway. Also, we uh, like to tell people at this time of the year, as, as the spring kicks in, is to, to do a little bit of a, a, a walk around. You know, check your house. Have an inspection. Do it yourself. Look at the house. Look at the property. Check your windows. Make sure they still lock properly. Replace any burned out outdoor light bulbs and see if the the fences or the gates need to be fixed. Right, there's something that you wanna you wanna make sure that are are operating and and working fine. And look for damage. Uh, take the time to uh, you know make sure that these things are functioning so that that when you are outside that your gate will open if you need to get through it. Uh, locks. This is something uh, that I wanted to ask you about because. How often do people change the locks in their homes? If they move into a new property, they might change their locks. But if you haven't changed your front or back door lock set in a number of years, how many years, I'm not 100% sure, this might be the time to do it. Spring is that time of renewal, so if you're having any questions or concerns about it, or uh, if you've, as I say, if you've just bought a new home or new property, that would be also a good time to do it. If you've been in your home for a, a number of years and you're still using the old-fashioned key, this might be the time to upgrade your security to a smart lock. Sure. And I know that you're doing that now with your clientele, that a lot of them are requesting this, are they not? Right. Uh, so the smart stuff is for interfacing with smart devices, tablets, uh, uh, mobile phones. Uh, it's become very popular because people don't want to carry keys anymore and they have the ability. So they, they are. They're, they're more and more are being requested, at least on one door of the house anyways, the yeah. more commonly used door. You know what is also really good about these smart sets, uh, lock sets, is that 
Uh, for example, if your cousin from Regina comes into town and you don't want to cut him or her a key, you can give them the code to your smart lock and they can uh, work it, operate it from their mobile device. And then when they go back to Regina, you can change the code. Absolutely. And that that works really, really well. Not, it does. Not really too different than sort of the similar system, the way the card systems and the different codes that they use in hotels. So uh, we're also getting into vacation time this weekend. A lot of people have been traveling and will do so more as spring progresses and into the summer. You ask a neighbor to check on your property when you're gone and have them pick up the papers or any mail that might be lying around. Uh, that's very important. Uh, keep your you know keep your driveway clean and, and presentable. Make your place look lived in when you're away. And I think that's pretty common sense. Uh, burglars uh, will tend to be drawn to... Uh, unoccupied homes. Mm-hmm. They want the, the, the path of least resistance. And lock it up. Spring and summertime means that you're in your garden, you're on your deck, and we'll get into that with Paul LaFrance, of course, in a little bit from now. But but make sure when you, when you go outside to, to lock the door because if you're, let's say, in the backyard doing some gardening or something and your door's unlocked, somebody can get in quite easily without you knowing because you might have a some bit of power equipment running or something like that. And, and that can be a bit of an issue for you. Most break-ins, according to the information that I uh, got while looking into this, is during the daytime, most of these people get in through an unlocked door. Right. So yeah. that's something to, to keep in mind. And we, we hear about this all the time with ground floor suites and, and places like that. But this can happen to a standalone house as well. Um, anything else that you can think of? Um, just as you said, check the, have your neighbor checking for mail and pulling in the newspapers. You can cancel your mail subscriptions. Um, have your neighbor park their car in your driveway because then there's a regular coming and going of a vehicle and, uh, a burglar may, if there's a spot in the house, they may notice, oh, that somebody still actually is there. Just park their car in your driveway. We'll take a break and then we'll come back. We've got some email to catch up on, some great questions that come into the Home Discovery Show that we don't always get a chance to review with you on air. Also an open line, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your mobile device. And Paul France will join us at the bottom of the hour. The Home Discovery Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Thanks for sharing your long Easter weekend with us. Uh, We've got uh, a couple of emails that have come in, and I wanted to share these with you because they may be helpful to you as well. Uh, I'm currently painting an indoor room, and there are two wall cracks that keep reappearing after standard drywall mud is applied to them. After the drywall mud is sanded and painted, the two cracks simply reappear. I understand that there is a drywall mud that forms a harder bond than regular drywall mud, but it's apparently for outdoor wall use only. In any case, no local retailers seem to have such a product. I've also been told that to properly repair the cracks, the procedure would be as follows. Cut out a section of drywall that contains the crack or cracks, apply a new piece or pieces of drywall to the wall, and reinforce it to the wooden studs of the inner wall. This seems to be a good solution, as there may be something wrong with the actual drywall in the area where it keeps cracking. One vertical crack line is two feet long, and the second vertical crack line is about a foot long, and they are six inches apart from one another. Is there a way to uh, to repair these cracks so that they do not reappear? Thanks for your tips and suggestions from Cliff. Well, Cliff, it sounds sounds like what you're describing for this, this special mud might be something we... Uh, we call in the industry con fill. It's concrete fill. It's got some fibers in it. There are other kinds of 
of gypsum filling compound, but you know, drywall itself doesn't crack. So it, it's there's something going on there. If there's a seam there that was not properly taped to begin with, that could be why it's opening up. But having two having two cracks so close together suggests to me that there's something structural going on there's some settling or something moving going on there and six inches is a great size to sound like a support post maybe behind that section there's a support post for some load above that there's just doing some shifting or moving or something of that nature I'm, I'm a little leery about cutting open a section of drywall and putting in some backing and doing things like that because if it's a, an exterior wall you've got to deal with your vapor barrier and you've got to deal with insulation so you need something in there to, to resupport that crack, but I'd like to find out why that's happening structurally. I'm going to presume in that area and see if there's some reason why that can, why it's going on, and then how to better fix that. And then you're not relying on this on the drywall to maintain its integrity. You're taking that load off it. What are some of the things that he could look for to maybe help him identify what the problem is? Well, look for uh, first of all, where is that location? Is it on an exterior wall? Most exterior walls in the home are of load bearing. Uh, look above that particular area. Maybe there's a floor above. Maybe there's a, a walkway balcony of some description. Maybe that happens to be a corner where uh, maybe that's the center part where maybe there's, it's a peaked roof and that is the support post for a ridge beam. Uh, maybe there's a a loft or something of that nature above there. Where I'm going with that is that it, that six inches there sounds very suspicious to be a support post. So I'm looking for a structural uh, point load, as we call it, above. Mm-hmm. These things can be kind of annoying to somebody who may not may have some repair experience or be able to to fill in a crack, but this one sounds like it's a real annoying one. Well, certainly they are they are the most annoying to try to fix a crack and then it goes away and, and then it, it looks fine and then the season change and then something happens. So the other part of it, the repairing there is with a with a mesh tape and then and then going over top of it or paper tape and then compound on top of that. So and you said this already, but as a rule, just to clarify, as a rule, you're not a big fan of, of cutting out pieces and replacing them. You can if you're, if it's if it's because of where it is but when you get into an exterior wall you're dealing with the vapor barrier which you have to reintegralize and all that uh, this next one is uh, I'll be moving into a new condo that has a solarium with sliding doors off the bedroom and living room I noticed that the threshold of these doors is off the ground and a potential tripping hazard can you recommend something that I can put over the threshold to reduce or eliminate the tripping hazard? I'm fine with leaving the doors in the open position. I'll be renting, so I need something that is easy to remove if I leave. And that's from David in Vancouver. Well, the there's several uh, ramps we call them, or portable ramps, and they're they're mostly used for accessibility. So, for example, wheelchairs or motorized scooters, and they are. They're in different sizes and widths and different materials, but if you just want to get over that to, to reduce a tripping hazard, they, they, they are commercially available. They're made of rubber or so many other uh, compounds, and they will sit right on the ground in front of. They may get two different sizes, one for the lower floor and one for the higher floor, or they go right over top in the case if you're not worrying about having to leave the door open. And they're um, they're great, and they're, and they're portable, so you don't have to worry about uh, fasting it down or being any uh, damage in behind there. So we're certainly looking at that nature. You do need the bottom there to hold the, the frame together of the door anyway, so you can't really take that part out. We get more email or messages on cleaning different things than probably just about anything else, and we do get an awful lot. Uh, this one I, I'm sure you'll you'll like. It's, uh, it's, it's from Raquel, and she says, I'm looking for some way to clean watermarks on the marble in the bathroom. I don't know what to try. Please help. The countertop of the sink is marble, and it does have water stains and marks on it. How can I correct this? Now, that's a tough one, Rachel. The marble being a natural product and porous, 
it will stain uh, with water quite readily. So it's a matter of getting, if you can, try to remove that stain by, uh, maybe sometimes it can be done with a uh, a steam towel, a steam and towel to try to steam that mark out of it. Sometimes it's rubbing uh, a poultice of salt or baking soda on it, and, and that can help lift it up. Worst case scenario, you may have to have someone come in to try to buff it out, but usually it goes down far enough that you really can't just sort of you know, sand it out, so to speak, with the granite. It's a bit of a tough one. So certainly if you have a countertop specialist in your area, have them come look at it and see what levels of, of uh, interface they have to take. Pauline writes, a friend of mine installed a beautiful tile backsplash in her kitchen made of rock and glass. Unfortunately, the grout has proven almost impossible to remove from the rock portion. Do you have any suggestions? That's that's a tough one, too. It's, it's like Rachel's, uh, because you're dealing with a natural product, uh, often in, in the case of a natural stone backsplash, the stone has to be sealed first off with, with a grout sealer. Then the grout's applied, and then it's washed off, and then the grout is sealed again. And that just helps to get it, to stop it from sticking inside the rock. Now, after the fact, it's really, it is honestly really tough to get out. Often it's just left behind and left as, as part of the design. Uh, otherwise, you have to get in with dental picks and, and ice picks or anything to try to get this stuff out of the little pock marks. It is really tough. Here's a real quick one as we uh, head into the, to our first break. Uh, my wife and I have recently bought a 400-square-foot cabin. We want to build a platform bed to make use of storage but need a, a somewhat custom plan as it will be against two walls. Can you direct me to some place where I can find some simple plans? We see a lot of plans coming out of um, out of Lee Valley, for example. They've got a lot of great uh, great project plans. You can also check online for uh, there's a myriad of different kinds of project books that are available online uh, or the library. They have a lot of subscriptions uh, for magazines there as well. Yeah, uh, how do you know if these plans? I mean, you go onto the internet and there's six billion different plans to choose from. How do you know one's reliable over the other? Well, that's that is a tough thing. And also, too, because you're, you're dealing with a bed, so you're dealing with some safety on there. So don't take one only. Look at several and compare them. Find out what each one, why they're different on each one. And and consult an experienced carpenter or, or um, as well. Just make sure you get some good and, intel. And for what they want to do, it doesn't sound like it would be that difficult or terribly complicated? No, not at all. I mean, again, we're looking for structural support, so members that go all the way to the ground, if not well-secured ledgers, etc. Well, we're the, looking at things that have to do with spring. It's Easter long weekend on the Home Discovery Show, and uh, it's also time to get the deck ready, or perhaps this is the year you're going to build a new deck. Paula France will join us in just a moment on the Home Discovery Show from News Talk 980 CKNW. Ian Power along with Steve Seaborn, the little contractor. Happy Easter to you. Hope you're enjoying a long weekend. Paula France, most commonly known as the deck guy, both in reality TV as well as uh, in the average North American home, is also a musician. The CEO and founder of the international design company Paul LaFrance Design and the father of four daughters. That's a lot of pheromones for one guy to have to handle. Paul is also the host of HGTV's Decked Out, Disaster Decks, and Deck Wars, and you also know him as a judge on Canada's Handyman Challenge, and he also moonlights as the head designer at Paul LaFrance Design, and he's joined us by phone on this Easter Sunday to talk deck talk as we get into the spring and into the summer months. Uh, Good morning to you, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. And just just when I'm hearing all the stuff I'm doing repeated back to me, I'm like, am I really doing all that? I'm, is that really true? 
you are the deck guy, and you are the go-to guy when it comes to decks, and that's why we always appreciate your time. But yeah, I don't know how you do it. Just what I, I'm exhausted at four daughters. I don't it know how. I mean, I, how do you do that? Um, let's just say whiskey. I think helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what are the What are the age range of your kids? So my girl, so uh, Promise is fifteen, Hope is thirteen, Ray is eleven, and Glory is nine. So okay. let's just say that you have the estrogen levels and the hormone levels. And um, wow, yeah, it's it's. Let's just say uh, <laughs> my greatest fear in life is being bored and. It is an incredible feeling as a man. You feel like kind of a low-grade superhero to be able to walk in the front door of your house and hurt the five feelings, hurt the feelings of five women just by breathing. It's amazing. I feel powerful in some weird, odd way. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, are your girls, um, they're not into Easter egg hunting now, are they at that age? Or Actually, you know, my daughter had just before, just before you called, my daughter had come in and just dumped about 400 eggs on my lap. And then I'm going, I'm, I can't have these. It goes against my diet. You know, I'm not a... I can't just eat chocolate like I used to. You know, this is ridiculous. It's very, very cruel. Very cruel creatures they are. <laughs> oh, man. But you, you love every minute of it, don't you? I do. But, yeah, you know, that's with everything that I'm doing, that's one of the greatest challenges is making sure that, uh, you know, you know, me, you know, running around the world like I do is uh, that's the second thing compared to making sure that uh, my girls have daddy, you know. So it's uh, we just got we just came back from a family vacation together. And, uh, you know, that's those, those, those types of things are, uh, you lock those in and don't let anyone touch them. I do want to talk about decks, of course, and that's one of the reasons we called you. But before we do that, I'm, I'm curious to know, uh, when you do one of your, your television, let's put uh, the handyman challenge to the side for, for a moment, but when you do one sure. of your programs, um, how long does it take to shoot one episode? Well, I mean, it will depend on whatever crazy thing I've created, but I would, I would probably say, like for Decked Out, for instance, it would probably be, you know, uh, on average of about a couple weeks per, you know, per project. But that could also range to a month and a half, depending on what I, on, you know, on the size of it. So, sure. you know, it's it's not done in 22 minutes. Let me put it that way, because you know, some people think that's true. Yeah, which is always hard to explain. Yeah, it just doesn't happen that quickly. And when you, if you are on a let's say uh, two week schedule, that there's some pretty tight deadlines because you've got to make sure that the show is put together in time. Oh yeah, I mean it's a, I mean for all the out for for all the deck shows, but then you know there's there with with custom built, which is the my indoor show, which you know most, many people were surprised to hear that you know what what what, what but the deck guy does more than just decks. I'm like yeah, I've been building houses and doing interior crazy things just as long as I'm doing the exterior. But I've always gravitated towards the outside yeah. um, as more of a passion just because of the impact it can have on people's lives in a world that's gone crazy. You know, everyone's so developing stress-related illnesses these days because they're just so, you know, this, this is what they've been born into, this culture that moves so unbelievably fast that there's never been a greater time ever that for people that need to have that place of rest. And, yeah. you know, that's what the outdoor space can provide. Yeah, and you're, uh, I mean, when it comes to being a handy with wood. I mean, you're a carpenter that can deal inside or outside. You've got the skill set. Uh, you, your preference is the fresh air, though. Yeah, and it's, I mean, well, nobody really likes to build decks outside when it's minus 30 degrees. I mean, that's kind of like a universal, you know, everyone nods up and down in agreement. So, I mean, there's always been the, you know, the interiors have always been side of uh, the same side of things, but, but, um, 
let's just say that when I'm when I'm doing an interior project, I'm bound by walls and ceilings. But when I'm doing an outdoor project, I'm bound by next to nothing. You know, fence lines and setbacks. So there's a lot more room just to be able to have that creative fun. And uh, and, and I think that's what makes the outdoor space that much more unique to work in. When we talk about the outdoor space, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but my sense of it, at least, is that your philosophy, and if I can use a hockey metaphor, is that you see the ice very well. In other words, you look at the entire backyard. It's not just a deck project. It's it's a backyard experience. That's that's exactly right. It's exactly right. No, I think that's a... Well, one of the, like I, I, I'm an alternative thinker in, in pretty much everything, and so... The traditional deck outside the back of the house, everyone just thinks, okay, you walk outside, the deck's attached to the house, and you're staring into the backyard at your grass or the back fence or whatever view you might have. Typically, it's like, you know, into another person's house. And so, you know, just by benching to people, hey, you know, why, why do you have, why is the, the deck attached to the house when you can have a deck attached to the house that has, you know, let's say a dining table and a barbecue area. But when I show people how powerful it is to actually create something out in the yard, that draws your eye from inside the house, you know, like you know, most people's backyards are attached to their kitchen, which is like Grand Central Station. In my house with four daughters, the kitchen is like, you know, it's, it's Grand Central Explosion. I mean, it's crazy. So to be able to actually have something in the backyard space that is out in the yard that creates a destination, even in a, in a tiny backyard, that says, hey, come out here, that's within your eye line, that's drawing you out from a creative perspective, that says, um, that actually gives you the ability to say combat your computer that's saying, you have 27 emails that you have to answer right now or you're going to spontaneously combust. <laughs> that's kind of what our culture tells us. So it's very important from a design perspective for me to create something out in the yard that you can see visually from inside the house that draws you in, you know, not like a mosquito to a light so you can get zapped, but, you know, so you can go and relax. Sure. Uh, what do you say, Paul, uh, to a family or to a homeowner that, Let's say they they have a smaller or a very limited budget. Do you, do you work with these kinds of peoples? And, and what advice, if you do, would you would you give them to improve their outdoor space without having to, you know, take out a huge loan or or go deep into their line of credit? Fantastic question. It is most people will think, and that's probably one of the stigmas I have to fight a lot of the times. Is that you know, Paul Lafrance is a celebrity and he's the deck guy, and so therefore I could never afford to have him. Uh, you know, do anything for me. And it's like, no, 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 no. I have intentionally, again, alternative thinking. I have intentionally made my, my company, but like Sapala Fronts Design, from an interior and exterior perspective, will work with anybody and work within people's budgets. Everybody has a budget. Not everyone is sitting there going, hey, well, I have $100,000 I want to throw around. It's like, no, <laughs> that's not normal for people. So when somebody has that tiny backyard space, like whether it's a small space, minimal budget, I tell them, I said, in my own backyard, I have a, a deck where I spend 90% of the time in a 10 by 10 space at the back of my property. That is, you know, it's very cool 10 by 10 space, but it's about quality of square footage, not quantity of square footage. Mm-hmm. And it is, a, it is a destination space. And I've got some cool fire features and an awning over top and some, and some water features. And, you know, it's a very nice spot, but it, if you took that alone and just and the rest of the deck got hit with a meteorite, I would still be spending ninety percent of my time in that one spot. Yeah, and that's so that's really well said. It it, it makes it helps people to understand that you with a minimal budget you can still. But the most important thing, the most important thing is for people to understand when you are getting a design done and you're putting money into a design, it is so 
incredibly worth it, even if you're going to build the deck yourself. Having it designed so that when you even go to build it yourself, let alone you know having a contractor build it, it is done by you know like I, you know if you ask me to do your taxes, you're going to end up in prison very very quickly. <laughs> That's not my strength. You know this is what I do really well, and I will pull I will pull my designs out of people's stories to be able to create something that's personal for them. And, you know, that's so so even if you're building it yourself and I design it for you, you put the money into the design. I will end up saving you money in the long run by creating something for you that even even you can build. And it then it gives you that wow factor. So there's a very, you know, Canadians, you know, we're we're in Canada. You're born. You're supposed to know how to hunt moose, play hockey and build a deck. It's kind of like a Canadian thing. (laughs) Hey, listen, I promise not to take uh, to, to keep you too long, but would you take a couple of calls from listeners? Yeah, for sure. Okay, let me let me put you on hold for a sec. We'll take a quick break, and we won't keep you too long because I know it's your long weekend. Uh, we've got Paul LaFrance from HDTV. He's uh, the star of Decked Out, Disaster Deck, Deck Wars, Canada's Handyman Challenge, and a whole bunch of other things, not to mention his own business, Paul LaFrance Designs. Uh, we're talking decks as we get into spring on Easter weekend, 604-280-9898 or star ninety eight. 98, your call next on the Home Discovery Show from News Talk 980 CKNW. Ian Power with Steve Seaborn, and we are back with our special guest, Paul LaFrance. He's known as the deck guy and the father of 400 children. <laughs> no, I, I got, that's, it's not, that's not right. It's a five. You've got five girls, right? You, you, added, you added a couple zeros on there. Uh, yeah, no, four, four daughters and my wife. You're so. prolific, but you're not that prolific. Let's take I, it. Yes, I'm good, but I'm not that good. Let's take some calls here. Thanks, Paul, for staying with us. Glenn has uh, patiently been waiting. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going? Great. Good. Excellent. Listen, I've got a rancher, okay? It's an L-shaped rancher that I want to put a, I want to put a cover on it. We have a nice piece of property, and we overlook a pond and a nice forested area. So one side of the L is about, uh, about 13 feet long. The other side is about 30. I'd like to put a nice cover over top of the deck. I don't want aluminum because it's not going to, it's not going to fit the style of the sort of the rustic look that we have on our house. I want to put a wood frame in. I'd like to have glass in there because our patio faces north and I don't want to block all the, all the light that we do get because we've got some heavily treed areas there. Do I have to tie it into the roof, or do I have to build up over top of the roof? Or, like, I mean, I want to go on about 12 feet on my uh, patio cover, and that one end is going to run about 30 feet, and the other, the L shape is going to run about 13 feet. Is that a big problem? <laughs> this is this is where it's like, is he is he is he is he good or is he that good? <laughs> yeah. Uh, based on what you described over the phone, I mean, there's there is. Uh, the first thing that popped into my head is uh, there's a there's a, a product that, that I use a company that I use called SolarShade, and um, to be able to do something like putting a roof extension on a house is can be something that is ruins the look of something very quickly unless you're very very careful. And sometimes uh, one of the solutions to that is to go with a completely different medium like canvas. And so, and I'm not talking like the rollout canvas, you know that, that you know that you know. You know, dad, yeah, you yeah. have on the house. What I'm talking about is um, like the, the the companies out there right now that allow you to do these amazing canvas sh- uh, shade sales. In essence, um, can create a very very unique look 
So, and it not only will give you protection from rain, but it just creates a much softer look. It'll allow, um, it'll give you this, that protection from the sun. Um, it, the cleaning factor becomes like completely, you know, not inconsequential, and, uh, and and just allows it to create a, a different medium that that will not make it look like some like really heavy thing. Uh, sometimes things can end up looking really, really heavy. And so um, that's the first thing that pops into my head. I can probably give you, you know, 10 different options if we have time. Really appreciate your call, Glenn. Uh, Paul, if, if somebody's listening right now and wants to take advantage of uh, Paul LaFrance Design, how do they go about doing that? Paul, com is is uh, is my my website. And, you know, for, for anything exterior, obviously, and but also interiors, even, even into, like, you know, right now I'm designing a resort. I'm designing a hotel in British Columbia. Um, you know, there's the, my firm's kind of really grown to allow me to uh, kind of you know let Peter Pan loose in a lot of different areas. But like I said, I will always gravitate toward that backyard space. It's, it is it is where I see the most impact with people. Morning to you, David. Oh yes, good morning. Good morning, Paul. Morning. Yeah, I just uh, have completed um, an extension and a deck, actually, in a home that my wife and I just purchased in South Surrey here about six or eight months ago. Um, and a couple of things we ran into, and I just wonder if you can comment on, we, we were kicking around the different types of wood covering that we were going to put on the deck, whether we are going to use this um, uh, plastic look-alike wood, which is very expensive, or whether we were going to go with wood. What And the color that was on the original deck, somebody painted it or stained it this awful sort of pinky brown color which was just dreadful um, <laughs> anyway um the wood itself was in really really good condition and uh, we thought well okay we'll just buy some more wood and do an extension and maybe take up all the original wood and flip it upside down to expose the original wood again um, and just add the amount of wood to save a bit of cost so um that was all good until we went to try and buy this four and a half inch uh, radius wood which is no longer available, and you now have to get this five and seven eight stuff. So, so now we're scratching our heads about how we're going to mix the wood together. And what we ended up doing was after we'd added the extension, we ran the boards across the deck alternately with the old wood and the new wood, and it actually made a really nice effect. So that was what we finished up doing, and we were really pleased with it. But my question to you now um, is: after we've used this pressure-treated wood, a how long shall I wait, and b what brand of um, colored stain would you recommend? We want to put a nice color onto the wood that matches the home, um, but we want to use a stain, not a paint. Okay, so first and foremost, if that ended up working for you, um, then you're in the small minority. So congratulations on that, because uh, doing a deck extension, one of the greatest things you have to avoid is looking like you did a great, uh, like you did a, a deck extension, and that's. <laughs> It, you know, so many people would be like, I've got this deck, and then I've added this on, and everyone goes, oh, I see you just, I see you extended it yourself, and it looks exactly like that was the case. For me, you always want to make it look like it was done, even if you're doing an extension that it was done at the same time. So particularly if you're carrying it out on the same level. So um, so well done there. That's, uh, that's, I don't hear that story very often. No. Um, the deal with pressure treated is it is going the way of the dodo, just like it is procedure as far as deck surfaces are concerned. Um, when it comes to, to pressure treated, you you know they'll they'll tell you that you should wait a year before you do any staining because of the mill glaze. That's you know like basically it's like this glaze that's over the surface of the wood that keeps the stain from penetrating. 
and they tell you to wait a year. Don't do that. All you have to do is sand off that mill glaze. You know, I would typically wait like a month to allow the material to dry out. Mm-hmm. Then sand the surface of the deck to allow the mill to, so it opens up the pores of the wood to be able to take the stain. Um, you know, my stain guys will, you know, they, there's a number of different stains that will work. Uh, Cabot's a really good product. Um, Olympic, you know, Seekins. Um, it, it, but it is something that from the stain world that I, I leave that to, you know, stain guys because I will always recommend doing like a, doing the composite decking on the, on the, on the floor of the deck. Yeah. Uh, we got to wrap it up, Paul. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we got to wrap it up. Uh, I, I love listening to you and, and hearing, uh, what you have to say and have a tremendous amount of respect for the work you do. We didn't even get a, a chance to touch upon your music, uh, which is a, a big part of your life. I hope that you'll come back. Next time you're in Vancouver, why don't you pop by and uh, join us in studio? Absolutely, man. Well, you you know, you know, as I've done this before, that I talk way too much. No, I love that's it. Never, that's never, that's never going to change. And uh, next time I'm in there, I would love to come see you guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll do an hour with you. Come in uh, anytime. Thanks so much. All right, man. You guys have a great Easter Sunday. All the best to you. Paul LaFrance, uh, terrific guy. He's the deck guy. You know, you know him from HGTV, Decked Out, Disaster Decks, Deck Wars, Canada's Handyman Challenge, and always answers the phone anytime we call on the Home Discovery Show. We will be back in a moment on News Talk 980 CKNW. Our thanks again to Paul LaFrance, a great guy, love his work, uh, he really knows of what he speaks. The one thing we didn't have time to talk about was deck cleaning, so if, as we're in the, to the spring cleaning season, any quick pointers on getting that deck back in shape? We're just trying to re- find out whether it's stain or a paint that's on there, and as Paul was saying, the new decks, you can let them sit for a bit, a little bit of sanding, try to avoid caustic cleaners or solvents and ultimately it's just a it's a lot of elbow grease. Yeah. What about power washing? You can do power washing but it forces an incredible amount of water into the grain so you really can't spray wash it and then paint it their stain the next day. Right. But if it's composite, go for it. Uh well, then that's just a gentle deck brush. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. For Steve Seaborn, the little contractor, Emil Bamji is our technical producer. My name is Ian Power. Stay with me for Vancouver Consumer. That's coming up next on News Talk 980 CKNW.